Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Brooklyn Ramey. She is the author of One Trusted Adult, How to Build Strong Connections and Healthy Boundaries with Young People. In addition to being a writer and a speaker, Brooklyn also is a teacher and she also runs a summer camp and facilitates workshops at schools all over the country. Really excited to speak with Brooklyn today about how sometimes adults need to get out of the way and just let teenagers do their thing and what that means and how we can actually do that. Brooklyn, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. There are people in the world who are authors and there are people in the world who are teachers, you know, and there are people in the world who like run summer camps, but you kind of do all of these things somehow. So (laughs) can you just walk me through how all of this sort of came to be and why you're doing what you do? Absolutely. So I completed the ed theater program at NYU and had an incredible professor there who definitely was a trusted adult for me and unlocked so much of my thinking and ideas around education and sort of unpacking the education I had received and spinning it and looking at it in a whole new way and really understanding that we can't access young people until they trust us. And so much of trust comes from play and engagement and imagination and just being present. And using those tools, I I then went into the boarding school world where I had come out of, and I returned to my high school to redesign, redevelop, really ignite the leadership and life skills curriculum. And using theater as a tool for that, just found so many ways to build relationships and have really difficult conversations about topics that were sometimes off the table for adults and young people <laughs> to be talking about, but are probably, I would say, the most important conversations to be having. Yeah. Um, a lot of those topics you discuss on your podcast, which I love with so many experts. And from there, I, you know, as you, you grow in your role and your position, I became an assistant dean at another school and then a dean of students and really moved further and further away from the preventative side of education and leadership and life skills and really on the responsive side and the reaction side and got a little lost there I think personally I enjoyed the work I wanted to do the work but I really I always felt like 51% of my job was responsive instead of 
preventative. Yeah. And that was difficult for me. I think there are many wonderful people who can do that work and it wasn't the space I could live in yeah. um, because I wanted to be mentoring and I wanted to, to help before the crisis. Right, and I saw the right. value in, in the help in the crisis. Oh, it's so definitely needed. Happened. No, right. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so much. But I, I saw especially high school girls just really struggling. And so yeah. I proposed the idea of working with middle schoolers. I think one, to draw more people to our school and to learn of our high school program, but two, to sort of get them earlier, <laughs> get yeah. them before uh, they're pummeled by all this. And obviously <laughs> that gets earlier and earlier and earlier as the years go on. But we started something called the Girls Leadership Camp, and we had 11 girls our first year. And that professor I talked to you about uh, from NYU, she is actually on staff and is one of the founding people with me. Oh, how cool. Yes, very cool. But we, we wanted to create a technology-free space where girls, I use a method called come on, like curriculum, what are we teaching? Model, what are we showing them about how women can get along and women work together and just being adventurous and playful? The obstacle is always like, what, are we, what challenge are we going to put in front of them that's going to test this, test their teamwork, test their communication, so yeah. whether it's building a picnic table or climbing a mountain or putting up your tent or just getting along in a dorm. You know, how are we choosing to make it a little uncomfortable so that we can have more real conversations? And then the N is the now what? Uh, so you've had this experience. Where do you go from here? Where do you, how do you take this back to your community, your school, your family, and do something with it? So that camp from 11 girls every year, it kind of doubled. And this would have been our 10th summer. And we have around 80 girls and a staff of 20, 25. And then we have a high school intern program now. So a lot of girls graduate from camp and they want to stick with us. So they come back and intern. And from there, really, you asked me, how did, how do I do all these things? Or how did all this happen? It's because girls ask, you know, they, the young people are like, hey, you're not going to leave us in high school alone, are you? We, we still need you. And so we started a travel program uh, called Girl Captain, where we go back and forth between Morocco and Peru. And we train high school girls wow. to facilitate workshops on courage and confidence with elementary school girls in rural villages. And I mean, that, that is incredible work. Mm. Um, and it's when we get out of the way as the adults train and get out of the way, then two generations of young women are growing. So it's all just born out of a need. And I have an incredible board now um, that oversees the whole organization called Generation Change. And that oversees each of the programs. And then I took, I, you know, I really stepped away from day-to-day -day education to write the book. And from writing the book came all these opportunities to speak and run professional development programs for educators around the country and, and around the world now. You mentioned that a big part of your approach is kind of getting out of their way and um, mm -hmm. just kind of letting letting things happen. And one thing that I had marked in your book actually was uh, following that same sort of theme. And it was a situation about when Yik Yak came to your school <laughs> and um, <laughs> you had to figure out like how to deal with Yik Yak and yes. you sort of like had a similar thing happen. Yes. Well, and that reminds me, I mean, I, my favorite metaphor and example, and I love to tell stories, but 
watching National Geographic and watching, and I think this is as much a parenting message as it is sort of the educator or the camp director message, but baby birds, like we, we want to, when you watch a baby bird coming out of that shell, you just want to crack it open for them. Like it looks like painful struggle, <laughs> right? Let me just like <laughs> help you out. And I'm watching this National Geographic, you know, episode and they're talking about how like if the mother helps the baby bird, the baby bird will not build the strength in its neck to ever learn to fly. And so when we think we're helping, mm. you know, we think that we're doing something and we're, we're getting in there to like get all the obstacles out of the way of the child. We're really telling them that they're not capable and that, and we're not allowing them to sharpen their beak and practice those skills to prepare to launch, to prepare for the next phase. And there's that reason for adults to get out of the way, right? Just for the, the very simple, like the child needs to build the skill. Um, but the flip side in the story you're talking about with the yik yak controversy um, really was about that the young people had the answer. Mm. They could do something to prevent something with their peers that I couldn't do. So for people listening and, you know, yik yak was this anonymous uh, social media app where you could post anything and everything and meant to be positively used. I think our student council was using it to say, hey, there's hot dogs down at the grill or we're having a fire later or a volleyball match, like a, a good, easy communication system quickly in the hands of anyone, not just adolescents. Um, and it quickly to took a turn. the administrator's nightmare though. Yeah. It, it is. And I will never forget the day of sitting in the dining hall and a young person walked past me and said, Mrs. Rainey, check your phone. And it just kept walking. Like she didn't want to be seen telling the dean mm. that something was going on, but she needed me to know. And so when I looked at my phone, I had 25 emails and all these messages saying like, we're having a yik-yak outbreak. <laughs> and so when I got on there, I didn't even know what this was. I had never heard of it. I downloaded it, got on there, saw it. And then, a, you know, my gut reaction is to message and say, hello, students. <laughs> this is Mrs. Rainey. Right. Um, you know, every your digital footprint is going to be noted and we can see this and we're better than this. And then the number of nasty, terrible horrible things said back to me and to each other and just the mocking and and all of it and so um i i was truly clueless and i found our school presidents and said what do we do and they're like we don't know either let's let's get the student leaders together because we know they're people who really want to uphold this community and take care of this community and all the individuals and when i got them together i just sat in the back and i said i i have no tools i, I have no all i can hope is that i've trained you to be leaders and committed citizens over the last year and you know this is your time and they together brainstormed the solution that they, they were just going to drown out the meanness and drown out the hate with a whole lot of love and so they sat there for hours and just wrote really nice things really nice thing after really nice thing liked each other so that that would move up in the feed and they they actually killed something with kindness like they really stepped up in this huge way that i never i know that i never would have thought to do that ever or yeah i've been able to pull it off because then how would you yeah, get yeah. everyone to like okay post nice things now everybody and I like them now exactly. it could only come from them actually. okay mrs rainey yeah, yeah right sure right right yeah but that is thanks for bringing that example up because it it was a, a true moment of i think investing in young people on the front end and that preventative work i was talking about and that coming through and being what saved us on the other side of it. 
what about when you kind of miss the mark a little bit? You write about these conversations that happen um, that go like this. I grabbed you a turkey sandwich so you can eat on the road and we can get to ski lessons on time. I don't like turkey, but last week when I got you a turkey sandwich, you liked it. Well, I don't like turkey now. I think this is a pretty common exchange with a teenager. <laughs> what is going on here? Um, why does this happen? Are they just trying to make you mad? Did they really change their preferences <laughs> within the span of seven days? Or is there something else entirely occurring that um, parents need to be aware of? Sure. I think you are referring to a mother-son moment um, that I share about my son. Um, most of what I write about, I like I am so far from being a parenting expert, and my son will tell you that, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really try to <clears throat> live in a space of um, assisting educators and holding up the mirror for educators and unlocking ideas for educators. But it is impossible to pull away your own parenting experience. And, you know, we've all gotten the report cards or the comments about our child that were like, is this about the right kid? Like, this is not the same kid that we see yeah. at home. And so where your child puts out their best or their brightest or, and, you know, where your child likes to unpack and totally let loose. Like, we all have the same, like, we come home and we just like, well, I don't think that we always bring our best home because we're doing our best to hold it together and show our show our best sides out in the world. So there's there's that dynamic there. But I think generally, if we were to think about young people and preferences and personality, um, there and we all are in this beautiful identity formation mode at all times. And if someone said yesterday they didn't like turkey for whatever reason and I heard them it's like you know what I don't think I really like turkey but I had never been given permission not to like turkey because that's what my mom buys and now I have a voice and I'm gonna say mm -hmm. you know what mom actually don't really like turkey actually, it's not, it's not <laughs> really that good yeah <laughs> yeah it's, uh, or I'm gonna be a vegetarian now or I'm, I'm gonna try this I'm like, yeah yeah totally and we've I we've got to model that we have to show that it's like your preferences can change people get married, people get divorced, people become vegetarians and vegans, people switch sports, people move homes. Like we as humans are constantly in flux, but as adults, we really love to put teenagers in boxes. We really love to say this one's on this path here and this one's on this path here because yeah. then it's very clear on how I serve that student, um, what that student, that student needs to be pushed, that student needs to be coddled, that student needs X, Y, or Z. And especially for young people who've been in like a K through 12 in one community with one, you know, and it's just passed on from teacher to teacher and the parents and everybody knows everybody. There's not like a break free moment to re-identify or to cut your hair and not have everyone ask you why or dye your hair or wear different style yeah, of clothing. Right. It's difficult to shift and change. And so every time a new preference is made, it's like, oh, so now, you know, you're this or you're that. And we All want to label everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think modeling shifting and, and changing and reshaping yourself and always open to to growth and improvement is really important for young people to see especially seeing your failure trying something and failing at it that's the best thing that they could see <laughs> I think that 
you know, uh, a fundamental human trait is that we just don't like uncertainty, you know, and it, whenever things are in a state of uncertainty, it just makes us feel like, oh, you know, and you just want to like resolve it somehow as much as you possibly yes. can. And as parents, you know, it's well, so and hard to like. someone else is uncertainty. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's like just. Someone else's uncertainty is more Seeping painful. out like into you. The aimlessness Absolutely. is just like, ah. So I really like this, though. You write on page 11, one simple thing that you can do is just ask, is there something you need me to do or do you just want me to listen? Yes, that is key. And my good friend and colleague, Shantara McBride, who runs Marvelous University and works at our Growth Leadership Camp and in all our organizations at Generation Change, she modeled this and she does this and I've watched her do it over the years. And I think I tell the story about a, a father who heard our opening talk and sort of just, you know, we always state our purpose. Why are we here? And we say that in front of the girls and the parents and the girls then were like, let's go camp day one. And they run out onto a field and they're playing games and getting to know each other. And the parents kind of like slowly walk out of their space. A lot of mothers are like, uh, do you have an adult version of this? Because I need this too. <laughs> There's all these like, can you help her with this? Can you do this? And I'll never forget this one father just sitting there sobbing. And Shantara approached him and he just felt like he, I think his single dad was just felt like he was failing her, didn't have the skills or tools that he was watching us act out in front of these girls and he's like how will I ever you know do this for her be there for her I never have the answers I want to save her I want to put on my armor and pick her out scoop her up and save her from every negative situation or difficult situation and yeah. Chantera looked him right in the eyes like held his face and said you you only need to do one thing and that is to ask your crying child or your distraught child do you need me to do something or do you need me to just listen because about 90% of the time, they're just going to say, listen, like, I don't want you to do anything. I don't need to act. I don't even want to hear your opinion on the matter. Mm -hmm. I just want to drop this off in your lap and let you hold it for a little while while I move on and do my thing. <laughs> and that's painful. That is painful for an adult who really loves a young person to just hold the thing that's upsetting them. Um, but then, you know, 20 minutes later, you, they're jumping on trampoline and they're going four-wheeling and they're going swimming and they're fine and you're sitting there like worrying and wondering uh, how am I going to fix uh, this unravel it well we've got to learn to just sit just sit and just listen you write about an incident with your son involving a vape pen and a Harry Potter <laughs> lunchbox. <laughs> yes. And so there's like oh, this yeah. whole story that's really interesting. And then one thing that I thought was, was really fascinating is that among your husband's concerns were your child's business skills. It says, so yeah, okay, you ask this kid to buy something and yeah, he put up the money and he he came up with the money at the beginning and gave it to the kid for nothing and then uh and yeah and then he got in, ended up getting in trouble for it and i thought it was a great <laughs> example of how sometimes you know there's just like always a, a lesson to be learned even in a bad situation if you kind of like lean into it or just keep the right kind of like 
mindset about you, actually a lot of times in the worst situations are the best opportunities for kind of all kinds of different lessons um, and to like be open to those, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we hyper-focus on the thing. Like we could have, and we did for a little while, hyper-focus on the vape and fear for our son being addicted and the health ramifications and all of that. But when you pull back a little bit and see, you know what, there's a social dynamic concern at play and there's a sort of, he's expressing his independence Mm -hmm. in the wrong, in a risky way right now. And then yes, my husband is a salesman and a businessman through and through. And he's just like, you never front your own money. Like, and so I would hope my husband's talking about, you know, for sodas or for candy or whatever, so a friend asked you to get something like there was a big business lesson in the middle of all of that. Right. Which is so true. And it's good to learn that now with $60 yeah. at stake, then have <laughs> exactly. it you know happen later. It's like, you know, you got to get yes. something up front. You know, the client's got to have some sort of, they got to meet you halfway. Some, there's got to be a deposit involved. Like, you know, this, we can't just be doing this whole thing, taking all the risk ourselves here or whatever. And how do you advocate for that and like set that boundary for yourself, you know? is not easy to, to do, especially when you're, um, they've never done it, had to do it before. You know? Right. And I think this, the whole thing of him, you know, the principal calling me and saying like, we found your son has a, a vape pen and we found it in his Harry Potter lunchbox. Like, to <laughs> me, that was such a moment. Like here is the teenage brain, right? Yeah. <laughs> Encapsulated by a Harry Potter lunchbox with like contraband inside of it. And that is that they're they're just rubbing up against all of these youth needs of wanting to belong and wanting to feel independent and test the limits and, and find a boundary. But they're still, you know, sleeping with the teddy bear and want the safety and structure of, of, a, of a solid home life. And I think to your point of um, what you're saying about the, the important message not always being what, what you're emotional about in the moment. There's another story in the book about a student who was selling all kinds of contraband things and running quite a little business operation out of their dorm room and you know through a parent finding a credit card charge or something naughty that they weren't supposed to have um, that landed in my office and so when I got to the student and learned the scope of their business it was actually quite incredible what this student was able to do as an entrepreneur on campus although highly legal and Uh (laughs) against all school rules and there was, you know, in a moment as the educator, as the, the trusted adult outside the parent, obviously we had to uphold rules and obviously we needed to hold a student accountable and teach a really important lesson. But there was also something to celebrate about their ingenuity and their ability to build. There was, there's something there to build and to grow. Yeah. And so after, you know, while I'm holding the student accountable, and actually, you know, I walked them down to the police office to learn about the law on peddling and handling in New Hampshire mm. and like where, where, you know, your, the business had met the law and the police officer had a great conversation. And obviously what was wonderful about this is I was able to partner with the parents on the education of this child. So these were parents who were really eager and on the same page as me, like, let's take advantage of this and figure out the skill and the strength in this child yeah. and just steer it in a better direction. Well, yeah. Right? Wow. So that sounds very entrepreneurial so, that to have yeah, all of yeah. this going, that's something yes. that could be channeled in a really positive direction. Right. So was there a consequence? Absolutely. Um, there were big consequences, Yeah. but there was also embracing the student strengths and like, 
hey, we could actually use someone like you on the campus activities board because you did this awesome marketing thing and you, <laughs> so let's, let's take the skill and steer it to something less risky where you're still feeling belonging and you're still feeling a sense of connection and like you have an ability to contribute with your skills, but in a safer way. We're here with Brooklyn Rainey talking about how to build strong connections and healthy boundaries with young people. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up on the second half of the show. When I'm saying a trusted adult is the answer to a young person having a healthy and successful life, it can't be a savior course our knee-jerk reaction is like take away the phone take away this you're take grounded, away that you're never going anywhere lessons. ever again yeah, never, right. yeah exactly <laughs> the fact that daylight again anything fun yeah, yeah. yeah so called this drum teacher and I said you know I'm gonna have to pull him from drums got in trouble and I he said you know what if you trust me like I'd really why don't we double the session this week because I think that you know through drums we can have a bigger conversation and and I've had my own storied past and I think I have something to offer and I was like yes I'm like in the middle of writing this book I'm like oh my gosh here like he's totally embracing this relationship and stepping up and so took him to that session he comes back from that session we're having dinner we're chatting about it and my son is like you know he just he said something like really profound to me like I really connected with him it was kind of like you know is a vape going to kill me today no but if I make this choice to be this kid that sneaks a vape and, and goes to the bathroom with other kids who are vaping and then those kids become my friends and then and it leads to something else. And, you know, I've kind of like chosen my friend group and who surrounds me. And that's like the biggest predictor of my of my future is like who surrounds me. And so this one vape really represents sort of like a path to people and those people represent my future path. And I could see like steam coming out of my husband's ears and he like turning red and he's like holding his fork <laughs> because he honestly had said almost verbatim the exact same thing the night before. And of course my son was like, yeah, dad. Okay, dad. I hear you, dad. Yeah, I understand. Can I go now? Can I shower? Can I go to bed? And then of course, when the cool drum teacher says it, he hears it and comes back and regurgitated it in this way that like he really felt connected to. Yeah. And so again, knee-jerk reaction is for my husband to be like angry and upset that he didn't hear it from him. But like, what was the end goal? The end goal is that he heard it. Like where he heard it is not as important as the fact that he heard it. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable. And your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.